the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Nick D Podcast, and I am your host, Nick DiGilio. That's right. How you doing? Episode 84 on a Tuesday here in Chicago, but you are listening all over the world. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Please spread the word. We want more listeners and more subscribers. Radiomisfits.com, the home of many, many, many amazing podcasts of varying subjects and styles and information and comedy and awesomeness. Uh, check us out, radiomisfits.com, and uh, please take the time to rate and review us on every platform. Let us know what you think. Particularly, I want to hear from you for the Nick D Podcast. Leave your voicemail messages anytime, anywhere, 24-7. The lines are open, 773-417-6948 for your megaphone message requests for to let us know that you're going to come out to Zany's on November 15th to see us live, me, Esmeralda, on stage, surprise guests, all kinds of cool stuff, on November 15th at 7.30 or Zany's in Rosemont. Let us know you're going to be there uh, and leave as many voice messages as you want. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to advertise with us, we'd love for you to be a sponsor. Do that. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, I want to be an advertiser and a sponsor on the Nick D Podcast. People will help you out. And uh, we would love you to be a part of us, of our show here, uh, and be a sponsor. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who, by the way, is flying in from Houston one night only to be at our live podcast event in Zanies at, uh, in Rosemont. Uh, he's flying in from Houston. This is the guy who you just heard sing. Uh, he composed the opening theme. He composed the Esmeralda theme, my dad's joke theme. Uh, the uh, congratulations theme, all the themes for our regular guests, all the zany stuff. Um, he is hilarious and brilliant, a great musician, an incredible songwriter, and I am lucky to have him contribute to the show. Um, and he's amazing, and the guy doesn't charge a dime, and he's flying in from Houston for one night only. You could meet uh, Jason Skaggs. He'll be there live. He will do all the theme songs live from the stage uh, at our event. Um and he's also responsible for this. Hey, everybody gonna tell you what's going on November 15th. That's a Tuesday up at Rosemont talking about Zanies. We gonna put on a live show. So I suggest you do some clicking. Get on the website and buy some tickets. I heard his dad's gonna close the show. Yeah. You can be there, don't you know? Get some tickets, baby. That's right. Get your sexy ass tickets. Jason Skaggs live on stage performing all of the themes live. We'll talk to him a little bit. Esmeralda Leon live on stage. Me will be doing a bunch of stuff from our podcast. We'll interact with you. We have incredible prizes to give away. Gift certificates from the Gale Street Inn, the greatest restaurant on the planet where you can have the best ribs ever. 
Uh, we are also giving away uh, $50 gift cards from Apt Electronics, where you can put all your electronics needs. Uh, my thanks to everybody at Apt uh, and to Steve Cochran. Um, and I believe Tom Hush is going to be there, my old producer who produces the Steve Cochran Morning Show, where you can hear me every other Friday on WLS AM 890, the big 89, uh, doing movie reviews. Uh, he's going to be there. My dad's going to come up and tell jokes. We got surprise guests, uh, one big surprise guest, by the way, um, who can be considered a patriot, who if you give this uh, person a dime, they may tell you some stories, some dime stories. The person that's coming up on stage to be our surprise guest is a legend, and I guarantee you it will be an unbelievably entertaining and awesome and fantastic interview. A legendary Chicagoan, by the way, uh, is going to be our surprise guest. So get your tickets now. It's one night only. We want to pack the place and maybe turn this into a regular thing. Zanies is like, yeah, if people come out, we'll host it for you. Tuesday night, November 15th, 7.30. It starts, 6.30's doors open. Zanies in Rosemont. Uh, it's going to be a blast. We are so excited about it, and we want to pack the place. So please come out. The Nick D Podcast Live. Me, Esmeralda, everybody live on stage. You want to get your tickets, you can call the box office at 847-813-0484. Get your tickets now. Zanies and Rosemont, Tuesday, November 15th. Showtime, 730. 847-813-0484. Or go to the website, rosemont.zanies.com. Look for the Nick D Podcast live event on November 15th. Get those tickets. Let's pack the place and have some fun. Rosemont.zanies.com. And we will see you all there uh, on that uh, big night on November 15th at Zanies and Rosemont. So please come out. Let's pack the place. And we're going to have a blast. It's going to be a blast. And hopefully it'll be a regular thing. Uh, and you'll get to meet us and hang out. I can't wait to see you guys. I'm so excited to see my subscribers and the listeners. I haven't been out amongst my fans and listeners and now subscribers to my podcast. Uh, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, we're dumping, you know, we're diving in back into it and getting to go out and meet all the people who love the show, who have loved the, you know, my, my GN show from the past and all the stuff that we're doing on the podcast. Real proud of it. Love the people I'm working with. And we're all going to be there to celebrate that night. So. We'd love you to be there. Zanies and Rosemont, Tuesday, November 15th, the Nick D Podcast Live. Hey, coming up in just a couple of seconds, it's a For the People episode. That's right. The first Tuesday of each month, it is For the People. That's when our experts come in and answer questions and talk about things that help you out. Our consumer guy, Herb Weisbaum, is going to join us from checkbook.org. He is the consumer man. Any and all consumer issues, he will talk about saving you from scams, helping you watch your money, and keeping your life safe. Then Tom Appel is going to join us. Tom Appel is our car guy from Consumer Guide Automotive. We have a blast talking about cars, car stories, answering your questions about automobiles, and doing some fun stuff about TV and watching too much TV and weird sitcoms and being the star spotter. Always a blast when we talk to Tom. So For the People officially begins in a second here. Herb Weissbaum will join us first. He's the consumer man. Then Tom Appel, our car guy, will join us. And my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke as he does uh, every Tuesday on the podcast, and as he will do live on stage, my dad, my 81-year-old dad, will be live on stage to close the show on November 15th at Zanies and Rosemont. That alone should get you to get some tickets right now. So, anyway, that's all coming up. By the way, speaking of Jason Skaggs, who is going to fly in from Houston, the guy who does all of the crazy themes and the jingles and the music and the songs, uh, he's coming in live. We are going to talk to him. He's going to be our big interview this Friday on our next episode, on episode uh, 85, Jason Skaggs is going to join us. You will learn everything you could ever want to know about the genius that does all of uh, the sounds and the themes and the jingles and stuff for this show. 
uh, and is a guy who's been in the radio business forever and a friend of mine. I am going to interview at requests from you guys. We got emails and we got voicemails from people saying, hey, you mentioned Jason Skaggs. We hear all of his work. Who is the guy? Well, you're going to find out on Friday's uh, podcast on episode 85. My guest is the great Jason Skaggs. All right. So all of that is coming up. Uh, let me just say, well, first of all, I have, she has to declare her Hi, love for I'm me. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I Hi, know. I'm Carrie I Russell, know. and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right. For the people begins with Herb Weissbaum after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes, he is our man. He is your man. He is my man. He is their man. He is the Consumer Man. Every man. That's right. Herb Weissbaum is here on another edition of For the People, which is the first Tuesday of each month. We do a special For the People podcast for you to answer your questions and your concerns to help you out. So uh, our first guest on uh, For the People uh, is Herb Weisbaum, who is the consumer man from Checkbook.org. Herb, how are you, sir? Hi, Nick. Well, I'm, I'm recuperating from a, a cold. I uh, went on vacation and came back with a cold from hell. It's been like 14 days now. So if I sound a little bit like a frog, <laughs> wow. that's, so- that's what's going on. Well, and you've gone through the COVID before. This is not the COVID. Not gone through the COVID. Just did three COVID tests. It's not COVID. I'm going to go see the doctor today. Just make sure I don't have some kind of walking bronchitis or something like that. I said, I got to wait till I tape the Nick D podcast. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I literally sure, did, sure. actually. I worked, did you, you, I worked him around you. But I have a very good doctor. But well, I, think I appreciate I'm fine, it. But I just, you know, when in doubt, you go see the doctor and make sure you're doing okay. But yeah. You know, it's interesting. By the way, I, speaking of that, Nick, um, cold and fl- uh, flu season is starting much earlier this year than normal. Like we're a month ahead of normal. I'm, I'm working on a story about that. And it's already hit the Northwest. We normally don't get it till like December. Uh, and it's more serious than it's been in the in years past because none of us have immunity. We were all taking care of ourselves the right way with masks. So I cannot encourage your listeners strongly enough to get the flu shot and get it. If you haven't gotten it already now, it takes a week or more to build up full immunity and the hospitals are filling up, and uh, it's kind of nasty. And uh, even if you get the flu after you take the flu shot, I mean, you catch the flu, you won't get as seriously ill, and you won't wind up in the hospital, and you won't die. So right. you, you, you got to get the flu shot. And if you're over 65, like some of us are in this conversation, you have to get the, uh, the senior uh, flu shot, the stronger dose, because we need to really boost up our immunity. But please go out and do that and take care yeah. of yourself. My folks got their flu shot uh, and their booster, their COVID booster, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, well, uh, as I said in one of my reports, that's why God invented two arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's interesting. You know, uh, it, it's now, and this is a completely uh, diversion from what we're going to talk about, but, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned, you know, people are, are, you know, we're all concerned about the strength of the flu and everything. And now because we've been concentrating for the past two years on COVID so much, we forget that the flu can kick your butt too. 
You yeah, know what I mean? Like kills it, people it, every it, year. Kills, yeah. kills yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. All right. Well, don't don't look at that stuff slightly. It's really strange that <clears throat> I went to a a, a horror uh, um, uh, film convention of which I am mm. one of the hosts for many years, and we were at a hotel for four days uh, and three nights. Uh, and, uh, you know, thousands of people came there. I was, I did, I, I was in, you know, uh, rooms with people and we were like, I was on stage and interviewing people and doing Q and A's and stuff like that. My friend who, uh, I, I do the co-hosting duties with, uh, we get home on that Monday morning and, uh, he feels like crap and he tests positive for, for COVID. Okay. And I was with him the whole weekend. Uh, I felt like crap when I got home on on that Monday morning. I tested four times negative. Four, four times. separate times, four separate days in a row. Four separate times, four separate days in a row. Right. Okay. But I felt you like crap. Needed a couple of days. Wow. Yeah. It's, it was so weird. And then he's like, "You have it. There's no way you don't have it. You were standing next to me the whole time." I was like, "Yeah, I know." It could so, be, and he just didn't produce enough antibodies. If you had a PCR I, test, you'd know for sure. But uh, yeah, you yeah, know. I, you know, well, uh, so, but it was weird anyway. But I didn't feel good. So if, even if it was the flu, it kicked my butt pretty good. So that's all I know. By the way, do you know I was in a yet to be released horror film that was shot in Seattle? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we have to stop everything right now. Wait a minute. You, you know, you, you were in a horror. How did I not know that Herb Weissbaum was in a horror movie that is yet to be released? What? Well. It's called Zombiegeddon, and it's the combination of a science fiction movie and a zombie movie. And it was shot here by a local filmmaker in Seattle. He had, a, he had like a $100,000 budget, and he had, you know, directors and assistant directors and all his people. And uh, I was the, the – he needed a part, of, uh, part of a reporter. And he grew up in Seattle, and he said, I know you, Herb. You're, you're the reporter. Can you be my TV reporter? So three or four or five times during the movie, I'm doing things like – it's really funny. I go – the bodies were found in a park. Uh, they were burned beyond recognition. The mayor assures us this was nothing more than a bear attack, and there's nothing to worry about. Now, the weather. <laughs> okay. W when is this going to get released? Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure it ever will, but I can send you the trailer, Nick. And if you you feel have like to. No, no, no. That, that is something. No, no. That's something I need to see immediately. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Zombiegeddon. Zombiegeddon. Starring Herb Weissbaum. Herb Weissbaum in Zombiegeddon. Are you getting above the credits? Uh, are you getting above the title above the title credits? No. Well, it's at the end. They have all the actors in it puts Herb Weissbaum as himself. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny I, part was I was supposed to change my name. I don't know why. And he calls me up after the shooting's over. And he goes, you know, you said your real name. And I said, well, after 45 years of saying Herb yeah, Weissbaum report, I, and I said, that's fine. I have no problem with that. This is really fun. So, so Herb Weissbaum as himself in Zombiegeddon. <laughs> I can't even explain to you how excited I am about this herb. I can't. As soon as we get done recording this, I will send you. Please. The, the, yeah. Okay. Honestly, I can't even believe how excited <laughs> I am. All right. Herb Weissbaum, star of Zombiegeddon. That's how I'm going to introduce you from now on, Herb. Every Thank time. You. Thank you, you. You are the star of Zombiegeddon. Okay. Uh, but let's get into some of the serious stuff. Tell everyone, please, about checkbook.org and what you do at Consumer Man and, uh, and all of that stuff. Sure. Checkbook.org is a nonprofit that rates services in seven cities across the country. That is San Francisco, Seattle, Boston, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Chicago, uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, Philadelphia. And uh, we're like the Consumer Reports of Services. So while they rate paints and roofing and that kind of stuff, we rate the roofers and the painters and the spiders and the veterinarians and the um, 
the kennels and all that kind of stuff, dentists, orthodontists, et cetera. Uh, we don't get any money for doing this. It's not like some of the fake rating things out there where people, it can either be fake ratings or people get paid. It's based on secret shoppers and also ratings from our subscribers all across the country. And then we also, so that's for members only. And then we provide uh, basic information for anybody who logs onto the website, checkbook.org. And before the podcast is through, Nick, we'll give you the free link for people who are in these seven cities who can check us out and see what kind of things we do and the ratings. And we hope you'll join the team and can help fund our work, but there's no obligation. All right, there you go. Always very, very cool. And and, and your uh, website is the consu- people can check you out at consumerman.com. Yes, and that lists all my stories from checkbook.org and also makes an easy link to the Consumerpedia podcast, which I uh, I host and we put out every other week. Uh, that's also all the information from checkbook.org, consumerpedia.org, or you can find it on consumerman.com. Okay, okay cool. All right, uh, some of the stuff that we wanted to cover. We have some updates on things that we've talked about in the past. We'll get to that in a second. But there was something that you told me immediately before uh, we started recording today that you wanted to get to immediately because it's a brand new uh, story that just got out there, and it involves Geek Squad. Yep. So tell us a little bit about what's going on there. It's kind of a, it's, it's kind of an, a, a big story. Yeah, this is going around all across the country. I just actually got one on Friday, and uh, the Federal Trade Commission actually just released a, a news release, a fraud alert about this. It looks pretty official. Geek Squad, order confirmation number. It's got the number in your receipt, and it says that uh, $349.99 has been charged to your account. If you have any questions, please contact our office uh, at this number, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you about it. And uh, the problem is that this is not from Geek Squad. This is a phishing scam. This is being sent out by scammers uh, who are trying to trick you. One of the dead giveaways is if you look at the top, the person sending this is billing team and then John Bell 965 at iCloud.com. It doesn't say GeekSquad.com or uh, BestBuy.com or anything like that. So that's one really quick giveaway. Uh, but according to the Federal Trade Commission, these are going out all over the country, and they're trying to do one of two things. If you respond, they will ask you, to get your bank account or credit card information so they can return this money to you that supposedly is being erroneously charged to your account. Or number two, they will tell you that for some reason they have to get into your computer and uh, help you do something, and uh, that's a really dangerous thing. Uh, you never, ever want anybody to get into a computer unless you started the uh, the conversation to get somebody to, to tweak your computer because you have a, an IT problem or something like that. This is one of a gazillion imposter scam emails, phishing scams going around right now. I get probably 10 a day. They come from banks. They come from well-known retailers. Uh, a lot of them will indicate that uh, the big one we talked about before is that uh, that uh, an, I, an iPod or something or an iPhone has been charged to your account. And uh, please contact us right away to get this taken off your account. The whole goal is to make you not think, to scare you, to get you to respond right away. What harm can it be in responding? The harm is if you're talking to con artists, they can try to get your personal information out of you and then use it against you. So you've got, if you're, when in doubt, Nick, go to the source. If you don't have, if you've never made an order with Geek Squad, you don't have a Geek Squad uh, uh, account, there's, n- there's nothing that's going to happen. Right. If it's something right. like you do have, have an Amazon account or an Apple account or something like that, go to your account that you know what to do. Go log on and see if there's a problem there. And the final thing is, and, and people always freak out, if it says that this has been charged to your credit card, 
If indeed it's really been charged to your credit card and it's a bogus charge, you just contact the credit card company and they take it off. It's not like you have to stop your whole life and, and panic and do all the stuff that they want you to do. That's the whole value of having a credit card. It has built-in fraud protection. But again, the goal is to push your buttons. They know exactly what to do to get you to respond. But this Geek Squad one is really bad. And if you want to learn more about this, uh, you just go to uh, – they have a whole thing on impersonator scams at the Federal Trade Commission. You can see all the different ones of these that are going around right now. It's just it's just nonsense. Stop uh, because they're obviously working really well. Okay, keep an eye out for this phishing scam from uh, them calling themselves the Geek Squad. Um, we all know who, what the Geek Squad is. Uh, yeah, so they're geeks. And it's amazing. Yeah, and it's 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 amazing. We talk about this all the time, Herb, about how the bad guys prey upon people's fears. That's the I think that's the first thing that they do. Right? Is like immediately it's like okay, people are nervous, people are scared, people are unaware, and they're kind of they're kind of unsure. Let's get in on that. Let's prey on that. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the term that is used a lot of times by fraud fighters is the ether. They try to get you in the ether. And what that basically means is, you know, you're, they interrupt you. You're having dinner. You're watching TV. You're not focused on, you know, your brain isn't turned on to scam alert. And you don't have your, you know, uh, you don't have your shields up. Uh, and uh, they, get, they, they say something that scares you. You want to re react right away because that's just human nature. Yeah. And, and then you do something silly. And then, you know, you go back afterwards. You go, why did, it, why did I do that? But if you... In this world, as I've said to you before, there's no undo in the digital world. If you give somebody your credit card number, a social security number, and and they, you hang up the phone or do it digitally, it's gone. It's out there. They have it. You can't say, "Oh, geez, I wish I hadn't done that." You have to then take the appropriate steps to prevent identity theft. So that's that's what they're doing, and they're highly successful because you know. And even if they score a few times, they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, always uh, always a pain in the neck. You know, someone uh, someone uh, jumped in on my Facebook page. I had to change my. Uh, Oh, you told me that, yeah. Yeah, somebody. No, this just happened this week. It happened oh, again. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, right, it just wow. happened again to the point where it got to the point where uh, I actually it was one of those deals where the, for security measures because I have I I only use Facebook on my phone, mm -hmm. uh, and I was trying to use a, a the laptop in which uh, uh, which I use for my uh, for the, to recording the podcast. That's what I'm talking. I'm talking into a mic which is attached to my right. You know, to the to the uh, laptop that I use. Uh, and I tried to log in there and they thought I was somebody else. And mm. so I had to actually take a picture of my ID, like my, my state ID to send right. to Facebook. So they got, and, uh, that was an ordeal because one of the, you know, the, 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 they thought I was at my laptop. That was a laptop, but I wasn't, I was on my phone and I could only use the, the, uh, the camera on my phone and the resolution was terrible. And it kept oh. taking a blurry picture of my ID. Right. And they kept saying, we can't use it. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And then finally, I got to a different, I took a different angle. But it took me three and a half to four hours wow. uh, uh, to try and get my Facebook back up. And then apparently, someone posted something on my Facebook that was inappropriate. And then I was in Facebook jail for three right. days. Right. Well, you're lucky <laughs> so, with only three days. I mean, that could have, yeah. they could have, yeah. Well, you know, you raise a, a really interesting issue that I've thought about. A lot of people use their social media account as a way to log on to other accounts. I think that's incredibly dangerous because the social media accounts are a major target for the criminals. Yeah. So you're logging on with something that they're trying to hack already that gives them all they got to do is get one and then they have entrance into everything else. Yeah. I will never, ever log on with a social media account. I log on every time I got a long password. I have a password manager that gets me in. And to me, that's a much safer way to go. And I think people really have to start doing security over the convenience of logging on with a social media account. Yeah, well, it's it you know, and, and it was it was a pain in the neck, and I changed my my password. I actually changed the email address associated with 
my Facebook account. I changed the whole thing. Right. Um, right. And, uh, but yeah, but yet, and then I was, I was thrown in jail, you know, for, for something I didn't post. And I was like, Hey, yeah. I didn't do, I can't, I didn't do it. And then, and so, and then, you know, like one of my mate, cause I have a lot of, um, uh, followers on Facebook, uh, on my regular Nick DeGilio page and on the podcast page. Sure. And I have, a, I have this big event coming up here locally in November uh, in, in, at Zany's in Rosemount. We're doing a live uh, uh, show, uh, the Nick D Podcast Live. And wow. one of my main ways to advertise it is on Facebook and uh, sure. you know, to let people know that it's Tuesday, November 15th at 730 at Zany's in Rosemont. Uh, <laughs> and to let people know that it's happening. And I was shut off for like three, four days where I couldn't like do – because I, I like to do like kind of daily updates and stuff and say, hey, sure. remember – and I was shut off from from promoting it, uh, right. which which is which sucks because that you know that that knocks into my that knocks into my business and uh, so that's not cool. Well, you know, if you offered me a Giordano's pizza, I might actually fly out to Chicago and join you. <laughs> yeah, you should uh, you should come out. Uh, you know, there's a there's a bunch of pizza places near uh, near Zany's in Rosemont, uh, one of the best comedy clubs in the world. So we're very excited about it. But oh, yeah, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be on stage. The guy who does all of our music, who does your theme, Herb. Uh, right. You know, the, the computer man, that would be uh, a consumer man. That would be uh, Jason Skaggs. He's flying in from Houston to be in the show so he can play all the theme songs live. Esmeralda's oh. theme, my theme, the opening theme, the closing theme. My dad's going to tell a joke like he does every uh, Tuesday. Right. Uh, he's going to be Is your live dad going to be there? He is. He's going to be on stage. He's going to close the show with a couple of jokes. Wow. So, yeah, so it's going to be great. But anyway, I, for, for a few days, I couldn't promote it on Facebook because somebody sure. hacked me and then you know, posted something that I didn't post, so I got thrown in Facebook jail. Right. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, anyway. Um, uh, and I will, I will tell you off the air sometime, uh, Herb, or maybe when we have more time because I want to get to stuff that concerns other people mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, and our consumers. Uh, I did get uh, thrown in Facebook jail before uh, for, for an entirely different ridiculous reason that someday I'll tell you about. Oh, okay. Uh, it is, it, it was, it's absolutely hilarious that, for right. the reason that I got it. I'm but, living for that moment. Okay. Well, you know what? As soon as I see Zombageddon, I, I will okay. tell, you all, <laughs> I'll tell you all about it. All right. Uh, okay. So you uh, d- d- do a podcast, um, and on the podcast, you guys did talk about auto repair. And my guest after you, uh, obviously, is, is my man, Tom Appel, who uh, yep. is the consumer guide automotive guy. Uh, we've talked about auto repair in the past, but you guys talked about good auto repair shops, which is such an important thing to do so you can find a trustworthy mechanic, find a garage that will help you out. Tell me about some of the stuff that you guys talked about in your auto repair shop uh, piece. Yeah, and what we focused on, Nick, was the auto body shops, the collision shops, where you're going to take your car after there's been an accident. Sure. Uh, and most people probably don't worry about the shop or at least the price because the insurance company is going to be paying for it. So we looked at number one, if the insurance company is paying for it, and number two, if the insurance company is not paying for it. If the insurance company is paying for it, your goal is to get a good shop that's going to be working for you, that's going to challenge the insurance company if they ask the shop to cut corners and that will do good work. Uh, And that's really critical. And the insurance company may say to you, we have recommended or uh, pre-approved shops or something like that. And if you use these shops, the process will be a lot quicker and easier. And that may very well be true. But if you have a collision repair shop, an auto body shop that you really like or you really trust, you have the right to go there and have them do the work. And, uh, you know, you might just want that in a situation where there may be some challenges to what the insurance company wants to do with you. I had a situation, a little personal story, where the consumer man backed up into a post. Uh Uh-oh. 
at a, I was at an animal shelter and I wasn't paying attention. I backed up in this post. Not a big deal. Hit the bumper. So I took it to the shop myself because I didn't want to pay. The deductible was $500 and I didn't want the insurance rates to go up on this little thing. Sure. And I took it there and the guy took it apart and he says, you know, you really hit it harder than you think. And you did some damage to the frame. It's out of line a little bit. So instead of a, a, a thousand dollar job, this is going to be like $3,500 job. So I contacted the insurance company and they said, okay, fine. Take it to this pre-approved repair shop. And I said, like the car is a part at this other place. Yeah, but we'd really like you to take uh -huh. it there. No, I really wouldn't like to have my car put back together again. And so obviously the shop did it and it was and it was all taken care of. But, you know, the, you don't have to be steered to the shops that they want you to unless you know the shop or know that they're good. You know, you can check out the shops with uh, checkbook.org if you're in the cities uh, where we, we uh, publish, as I told you. And we'll give you a link to that in just a second. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, see if it's a good shop. The other thing is, is that if you're paying for it on your own, as I thought I was going to do, uh, be aware that the prices for the same parts really vary greatly. We did a price survey, and just one example um, to replace the right uh, side rear door shell for a 2019 Hyundai Sonata S using brand new OEM, that's manufacturer parts, range from $2,400 to $3,900. That is quite a price spread. Yeah. Well, that same thing yeah, uh, yeah. to replace the front bumper cover and left side front bumper garnish assembly for a 2019 Honda Civic Sport using uh, original parts, 800 to $1,600. That's twice as much. So there really is. And we found based on our uh, surveys from our subscribers that there was no difference in the quality of work based on how much they charge for it. So if you're paying for it on your own, it may be. And in some cases, you can actually send pictures and ask them to give you a not a binding, but some kind of estimate like how much might this cost uh, and to find out what it's going to cost you. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is the, uh, the I've been talking about this for over 20 years. Do do. Uh, does the shop use the OEM, the original equipment manufacturer parts? That's the ones that was made by your automaker or aftermarket parts from independent part manufacturers or used parts. And in many cases, uh, as we pointed out in the, in the podcast, the insurance companies have an economic incentive to try to get you to use the cheaper parts. They're not always bad. Uh, if the parts have been certified by this group called Kappa, if they're certified auto parts, they have some independent testing behind them. Odds are they're probably better than just a, a used part that is not or an, a, a third party part that is not uh, tested. But less than a fourth of the parts produced by aftermarket, manuf aftermarket manufacturers uh, are Kappa certified. So you got to keep in mind of that. And we just surveyed a whole bunch of body shops. Uh, our executive editor, Kevin Brassler, talked to a whole bunch of these shops, and they still say that they generally prefer push comes to shove uh, OEM parts, original equipment manufacturer parts. They fit better. They have less problems. The material is better. If they put on, a, uh, if they're forced to put on another part and it doesn't work properly, odds are they will call up the insurance company and say, "We got to change the part. We got to do something else." But that's going to slow down the whole process. And uh, so you want a shop that's going to push for you and say, "No, I really don't want these parts. I want these parts." So that's that's the uh, the third and critical thing to uh, worry about. Also, I learned that. Um, because of the supply chain problems right now, a lot of these shops are having problems getting the part. And I mean, if you can't drive the car, you can't drive the car. But if it's something where the car is drivable and just has to be fixed, but you can still drive it, it's safe and everything, you might just ask, 
do you have the parts? How long is it going to take the part to get the parts? You know, how long is my car going to be a part? Because some people now in a job that you take a week or so uh, are finding their cars out of service for a couple of months because the parts are back ordered. And uh, that, and if you're price shopping shops or checking with shops, you might ask them, do you have the parts now or how long are we going to have to wait for you to get the parts? Something we probably didn't have to worry about before COVID. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and that's, uh, by the way, that uh, that's a part of your podcast. T- tell everybody about your podcast. Sure. The podcast is consumerpedia.org. Uh, you can find it right there. You can also find a link on, on my website, uh, consumerman.com, which will link it to you, uh, link you to it. And, um, uh, you know, you also uh, want to uh, get the ratings. If you want to find out uh, what the ratings are for the shops in your various area, I have a link here just for Nick D subscribers. Yes. You can go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. So if you're in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., and want to check out uh, auto body shops or anything else that we rate in those areas, you have a 30-day free trial subscription to check it out, which is how much we love Nick and love being on his podcast. And if you like it, we hope you'll be a subscriber. Fill out the ratings for us. Let us know what's going on in your area, but you're under no obligation whatsoever. Just check us out. Check it out. It's free. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Great. All right. Uh, Now, some updates on some things that we've talked about that you've covered uh, at at consumerman.com and at at, uh, Checkbook. Uh, We talked about funeral homes and the prices. Um, You know, not a a pleasant thing to talk about, but an important thing to talk about. And now there's been an update uh, on that story. Yes. Tell us all about that. Remind us what that was. Sure. What we talked about last time was consumer groups pushing for funeral homes to be required to put price lists on their website if they have a website. Right now, the funeral rule, which was enacted in 1984 and has done a great deal to reduce fraud and deception in the funeral business, only requires funeral homes to give you price information if you show up in person, visit their their establishment. It does not require them to price posters, uh, post prices online if they have a website or provide any information via email or text messages if you request it. They may give you a little bit of information on the phone in some cases, but you know we live in a digital age. We're all used to price shopping uh, by, by all, going on the internet or getting something sent to us by email. Well, the Federal Trade Commission released a survey a couple of weeks ago that more than 60% of U.S. funeral home websites provide, and here's their quote, little or no information about their prices. Mm-hmm. The agency staff visited nearly 200 websites of funeral homes across the country between June and September of 2021. That was during the height of the pandemic when many people were dealing with burying a loved one and maybe didn't want to go out and go to a funeral home or something like that. And uh, so the uh, based on this report and some other things, there were a lot of uh, hearings held uh, years ago, but the Federal Trade Commission finally issued an advance notice of proposed rulemaking, which means that they are thinking of adding amendments to the funeral rule, including whether funeral homes should be required to display their price information online and by other electronic means, such as text and email, and if Mm. so, how. This would really be a great deal. Uh, The chair of the Federal Trade Commission, Lena Khan, said that it would help consumers make informed decisions during some of the most difficult moments of their lives, and also could incentivize funeral homes to offer the most competitive prices, which, you know, if the information is out there, you can compete. And if the information isn't out there, you can't compete. Uh, the funeral homes basically say, you know, um, 
if the, it, it's like the marketplace will set the prices and everything's fine right now. We shouldn't be subject to government, more government regulation, which is, of course, the, uh, the, 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 what you hear every time there is a need to give a price disclosure or help the consumer make a more informed decision. The problem is with rules, Nick, it'll probably take two years for this to go through the rulemaking process. So nothing is going to happen quickly. Um, and, of course, there's always the possibility if a new administration comes in in uh, the next presidential election, a lot of rules got shut down under the previous administration. But at least for once, the Federal Trade Commission has actually acknowledged that it might be a smart thing to make it easier for people to price shop uh, at funeral homes. And maybe this will encourage some of the funeral homes that have websites, some more of them, to put that pricing information out there. Wow. So good news then. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it before, but it's but it's worth mentioning. I mean, the price of funeral services, just like with everything else, checkbook surveys ranges so much as much as 300 to 500 percent between funeral homes in the same metro area for the exact same services. I'll give you three examples. Embalming from 350 to 995, a hearse 195 to 565 and the least expensive oak casket. $1,010 to $5,085. The least, if you ask for the least expensive casket, that is the price range you would get. And a lot of people don't know that you don't have to buy the casket from the funeral home. You can buy your, that's rule. That's a regulation. You can buy your funeral home Costco, or I don't know, there's probably yeah, a website, yeah. Caskets or Us or something, yeah, um, and yeah, save yeah. A, a whole lot of money. Uh, and have the casket shipped to the funeral home. You do not have to buy uh, a, uh, a casket from them. And as one of the people in the business told me, if they show you the caskets, they're probably in the room with all the expensive ones. Odds are they have the cheaper ones downstairs where they don't take you unless you push, but you still don't have to go with them. You can still order your own and have it shipped to the funeral home. Can I uh, suggest that you watch a, a movie that's uh, available on streaming right now? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You're always uh, my movie. You're my movie guy, Nick. Okay. Uh, and, it, and the reason I bring it up is because it, it 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 relates to what we're talking about here. Okay. It's a film called Raymond and Ray. It's okay. on Apple Plus uh, TV. Okay. Um, and it stars Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke as Ooh. two as two um, brothers. Okay. Uh, who half brothers. Uh, who share the same father and had a horrible history with this father who also sired a bunch of other kids. So he okay. spread his seed everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and they go to the funeral. Uh, they, the, the movie is a road trip movie where they, they reunite. They haven't seen each other in a long time. And they go to their estranged father's funeral. And they discover that their father uh, not only got the worst, cheapest uh, coffin of all time mm -hmm. that, was, that was ordered, uh, the funeral home, they have some, uh, some weird things that happen at the funeral home. Uh, that you need to see. And uh, in his uh, final will and his final statement, he wanted those two uh, sons, those two uh, brothers, sons of his, to actually physically dig his grave and bury the body and bury mm. the coffin. So, mm. oh. <laughs> so it's no, it's a very funny movie. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. and, 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 but it also, it, but it deals, they deal with a funeral home and some of the, uh, the scenes involving the funeral director, the funeral home, and some of the things that you mentioned here are actually portrayed in that movie in a very clever and very funny way. It's a really, really good film. It's called Raymond and Ray. We will talk on the uh, in the December podcast about Raymond and Ray. Please watch it. And, and it just, you know, it came to mind because of what we were talking about, funeral yeah. homes, and a lot of that movie takes place at right. a funeral and in a funeral home. So, uh, and a very entertaining movie, Ethan Hawke. And uh, and you and McGregor both great in. So anyway, one, great. one more thing that a lot of people don't realize is that you know in many cases you can actually rent a casket. You don't have to. So there's special really? casket. 
that, then you can just like if you're going to yeah. cremate them or something like that, you don't have to buy right. an expensive casket. Uh, you know, my situation in the Jewish religion, you know, we believe you should be buried in a pine, plain pine box and a shroud. Right. And, uh, right. you know, we did. And that's the one of the cheapest and simplest ways to go. But there are a lot of ways to cut costs. And there's also, by the way, a huge podcast on this. We did one of the Consumerpedia podcasts. We talked uh, to a, a consumer advocate who does nothing but try to help people solve problems with their funeral purchases. And there's also uh, nonprofits all around the country that work with uh, people to try to help them cut the costs of funerals. If you go to consumerpedia.org and look down on the on the uh, one for funerals, uh, it's down on the stack a little bit, but it's very, very eye-opening information on the funeral. Okay. So right, really quickly, and I'll watch and I'll watch Raymond and Ray. Raymond and Ray. It's on uh, right, Apple yeah. TV. It's on right okay. now. You can stream it right okay. now. It's, it's a right. terrific movie. Uh, let's talk about the update on the temporary uh, hold on uh, student loan forgiveness program. Uh, this is this is a big story that you've been covering for a while. What's the latest? Yeah, and you know this could change any day, even by the time your podcast drops. We're expecting it to drop in the near future. But a federal appeals court temporarily stopped President Biden's federal student loan debt relief program, the one where you could get as much as $20,000 knocked off your student loan. It's turned out to be a controversial program. Republicans are incredibly against it. Some people who already paid off their student loans just don't think this is fair. Um, but it was something that the president uh, campaigned on when he was running for office, and he's living up to his campaign promise. So the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit uh, that's uh, that blocked uh, the uh, cancellation of any student loans while it considers a request from six Republican-led states to stop the program. So the states that are suing are Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina. And they just claim the president does not have the authority to cancel this debt without approval from Congress. Uh, the president said uh, 24 hours ago, or 48 hours ago, that he thinks the first checks are going to roll out in 48 hours, that he's very confident. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, next uh, few days that he's very confident uh, that the um, that this program is going to move forward. Um, there's no clue what this the court will do. And then, of course, if the president wins, these people will probably appeal and try to run it up uh, to the to Supreme Court. So it could be blocked for a while. But the key is, even if this is on temporary hold, you can still go online to studentaid.gov and file your application for getting this relief. So the mm. site is still open. The government is still processing the applications, getting ready to throw the switch if the court uh, blockage is taken out of its way. Uh, 22 million people so far, Nick, have uh, gone on the website to file for this. It's a very, very popular program that's mm -hmm. going to help a lot of people get out of out of some long-term debt. But um, that's where we stand with it right now, that the, the, the it's on hold and it could change at any moment. And even if it's if it's turned on again, I guarantee you these states, they're not going to give up with an election, you know, just a short time. Of away. They're going, they're going to keep this in the news and they're going yeah, to appeal. Of course, course. no yeah. question about no it. No question about it. But for the important point is that don't stop if you if you really do want to, you know, get this going, if you want to file for it, you still can do that. They're Correct. not stopping that. So you can Correct. you can continue forward on that. Right. But. Uh, and that's the other story I just wrote is to plan ahead. I mean, you've got to work under the assumption that, you know, some people are going to resume payments in January no matter what. Even if you are looking forward to getting money, you have to sort of be planning for the worst case scenario. Right. To figure out where am I going to carve out this money in my budget starting sure. in 2021, uh, 20, excuse me, 2023, or 
How am I going to deal with it some other way? So if I can, I just want to talk about to anybody who's got to have to pay starting in January. I just posted a new story with uh, some advice on that. And that's probably about 23 million people we're talking about. What you should be doing now is you need to make sure all the information is up to date. You need to verify your loan servicer. Your loan servicer may not be the same one before the payment pause. You know, it's been more than two years now. Some of these companies went out of business. Uh, you need to update your account with the federal government, studentaid.gov. And also, when you find the correct loan servicer or servicers, if you have more than one loan, update your information with them. You could have moved. You could have changed your email address. Uh, you could have changed your bank account if you're having auto withdrawal, whatever. So you need to make sure all this is up to date. And if you uh, set up with uh, automatic alerts with studentaid.gov, that's the federal government, the uh, Department of Education website, you'll get email and text alerts as things happen. You'll know basically in real time uh, as things are progressing with this lawsuit and everything else. And then you could right now find out the details, find out how much your monthly payment will be, when it's going to be due. If you set up auto pay, you're going to get a little uh, reduction on your interest rate. So make sure that's set up if that would, that's what you want. Um, and so just have everything in, in place for when this starts uh, by January because it's going to come before you know it. You know, you, some, I talked to a couple of financial advisors, and they said the smart thing would be set some of that money aside now. I mean, do your budget, get, get in, you know, put it aside in a savings account so you have a little budget, a little, you know, a nest egg kind of thing. But if you're, if you're in a situation where you're trying to set that aside and there is no way in the world you can keep living and put that money aside, then you either need to figure out a way to cut something in your budget you know, maybe you cut some of the subscription services or figure out a way to do something differently or that you've got to um, you've got to you've got to um, file with the federal government now and enroll in some kind of income driven repayment plan that's going to adjust your monthly payment based on your income. You need to do that now. You don't want to default. You don't want to get in all that trouble. So if you know there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to pay when payments resume, you've got to go on to studentaid.gov and look at all the options they have for income repayment plans for people who can't afford to make the payments. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's the latest on that. Uh, a couple of uh, fun things that you guys uh, did uh, at the radio, uh, on the radio uh, station. Uh, one of them was uh, food makers are playing the name game with package sizes. What, what's, uh, what's this all about? Yeah, this is my good friend Edgar Dworsky. He runs a website called consumerworld.org. It is a uh, is a wonderful website and um what he did is he looked at uh how they play they're they're training us uh food companies are training us to buy by name and not by by size. So you look for the fun size or the family size right. or the party size. You know that on the chips and the all that other kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And the cereal now. Well, what he found out that they were doing is, I'm trying to skim down to the story here, is what he found out they are doing was they are changing the, na the names on the packages uh, and changing the weight at the same time. So the fun size may no longer be the fun size and the family size may no longer be the family size. So you can't just reach for that package and assume that you're always going to get the family size cereal package or whatever. It may be that you're going to get another size and you have to look at the net volume on the, uh, on the product uh, to see. He had one example here where uh, honey, uh, honey bunches of oats, the uh, family size uh, used to be 23 ounces and, uh, and now the family size is 18 ounces. Oh. So that's, that's a really big difference. Uh, and, yeah. And that so they, 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 apparently somebody left the family. 
<laughs> That's right. There was a breakup in the family. And they, yeah. wanted to, and they always say we're doing this for customer convenience. Uh, you know, so right. But th- that's the kind of thing that uh, that you're doing. Uh, you know, it's so you funny, just Herb, you, you, you mentioned this because like, you know, uh, Halloween was yesterday. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I've still got some candy here in the uh, in mm-hmm. my place. Right. Uh, and I noticed I got some uh, 100 grand b- bars, you know, the one hundred thousand oh, sure. dollar bar. Sure. I got the the fun size of those, and uh, I noticed that the fun size was different than the fun size I got uh, just a, a few months ago. Wow! Like they, and, they're, and, they're, and they're, bars they're, probably fifty thousand bars, not hundred thousand bars, right? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> worse less. It's not a hundred grand; it's fifty grand now. But right. no, the, the the fun size, the actual size of the piece of candy itself, is different than it was. Uh, like I'm not kidding, months ago. Right. Right, and I noticed well, I that when, I noticed that when I was actually eating the Halloween candy that I should have been handing out. And as Edgar pointed out in a in a story a couple of days ago, uh, the candy has shrunk. The candy's yeah. it's, it's called shrinkflation. The candies yeah. have, have gotten a, he came you know came up with that term. Uh, the uh, the other I always buy the diabetes size package for the candy for Halloween. I just <laughs> I, I figure that just the uh, instant diabetes size always yeah. works really really well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. anyway, so that's something you have to be careful about. Don't get don't get trained to reach for that size because that size may not be that size anymore. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. That's 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 fascinating. Okay. Real quick, yes. uh, the other one that I wanted to mention was when you get rid of your digital device, make sure you get you, you wipe everything clean. What does this story mean about digital devices that can spill your secrets? Well, everybody, I think, knows that when you get rid of a computer or a smartphone, you've got to put it back on factory reset on the phone, get rid of the SIM card to get rid of all the information that yeah. the device is storing. But a lot of people may not realize that other devices, if you have a smart device, there is a good chance that it's storing information. If you have a smart speaker, you may have put in with a smart speaker your credit card to buy things, to shop with a smart speaker. If you have one of those sticks like the Roku or the uh, the Chrome stick that helps you watch TV shows, odds are, I mean, odds are that you put had to put a, a, a credit card or something in there to pay for the, the programming you're watching. If you have a smart TV and you're getting streaming services, there's your codes in there for the streaming services. If it's auto pay, that may be in there also. So when you get rid of these devices, you may not stop and think that, well, somebody who buys this at a goodwill or who decides to go to a recycling center and just uh, take them and people actually do these things and then plug them in and take them on, uh, you know, they they may find all this information and be able to get programming on your dime or, or you know, use this car, go shopping on your account. It really can happen. Um, years and years ago, before anybody knew about this, and, you know, I, I've been doing this since, like, Abraham Lincoln was president, um, <laughs> I went to Goodwill and I bought a couple of uh, old computers. And we just plug them in and with no special software that only a computer geek would use by just turning them on. I was able to find people's uh, tax returns and all kinds of financial files and their pornographic pictures and all the stuff they thought they had deleted uh, when they had just hit delete or, you know, files aren't always, you got to reset the thing. You got to wipe it out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of harm that a, that a criminal can do if they get a hold of these things. And, you know, they can shop at Goodwill or one of these places, a thrift store, just like anybody else, assuming that a lot of people aren't smart enough to do that, especially with something you wouldn't think about, a smart TV or Roku, Roku right. stick or something like that. you got to remember those things, too, not just the smartphone and the, and the uh, computer because they store a lot. If it's digital, refrigerator store stuff now, if it's a digital refrigerator that you talk through and do everything, just be aware that if it's connected, you might want to make sure you really wipe it clean to the manufacturer's factory setting. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want any of your secrets for other people to know. 
Correct. <laughs> so, Correct. There you go. All right, Herb. Always a uh, always a pleasure. Uh, one more time for people who want to uh, take advantage of the lovely offer that you guys have sure. at Checkbook. Yes, if you live in the Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C. metro areas, go to checkbook.org slash Podcast, and you can get ratings from Checkbook in your area. If not, just go to checkbook.org, and we have all kinds of information on everything you might deal with in my stories uh, and also uh, on consumerman.com, deal with breaking consumer news and things you need to know just to be a smarter consumer. So we sort right. of have you covered on, on all the bases with that. So Okay, great. And uh, – and, uh, you are the star of Zombie Geddon, which I can't yeah. wait to which I can't wait to see the trailer for. Uh, That's coming your way in minutes. <laughs> all right, and uh, Herb Weisbaum will join us next time. It'll be in uh, it'll be in uh, November. Uh, yes. No, I'm sorry, no December. It's December, right? December. Right. So have a lovely Thanksgiving, uh, Herb. Thank and you. I will, and I will talk to you uh, in uh, December. Thank you, Herb. All the best, Nick. Okay, buddy. There you go. Herb Weisbaum, everybody. He is the man. He is the consumer man. Check out consumerman.com. And you got questions about cars. They're all going to be answered. I love talking cars, even though I haven't driven in a long time, with my next guest on For the People, and that would be Tom Appel coming up. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about cars still. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the sultan of cylinder, Tom How often, Tom, are you referred to on the street as the czar of car? Does that happen? Oh, all the time. Daily. Daily. That's what I figured. figured. (laughs) Once once our friend Jason Skaggs, uh, you know, gave you the name the czar of car that people were probably using, and I would imagine your family uses it, your, 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 your kid, your wife, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome home, Czar. How are you? How was your day? <laughs> Tom Appel is with us. He joins us every month on the first Tuesday of each month. Uh, as you know, those first Tuesdays of each month are the uh, For the People episodes of the podcast where we help you out with stuff. Tom is the uh, publisher and big guy over at Consumer Guide Automotive. Check out consumerguide.com. Uh, and the blog and all that stuff. Tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive and how they can read the stuff and see the stuff and see the stuff and all that stuff, Tom. Yeah, check us out at consumerguide.com. The fun stuff is on our blog. You can get to that from uh, the CG homepage. Also, our podcast is back in December. We're all set. So we relaunched December 12. Oh, okay. You were off for a little while? Yeah, we took a hiatus. Things were a little confusing here at Consumer Guide for a while. Uh, a lot of stuff to do. We had to get ready for our Best Buys. So after like two and a half years, we finally took a break. Ah, wow. Okay, a little break. But little you're back. Break. De- December 12th, the podcast yep. is back. That's correct. Okay, great. So you can look forward to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, all around the office, the people that work there that help out, the other people, everything. You guys drive a lot, obviously. You wouldn't. I don't. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. You wouldn't run something called Consumer Guide Automotive if you didn't drive. But my point is, you drive new stuff. What have you been driving lately? What are you driving now? What are you test driving? I just got out of, and I got a second taste of this car, which was great. And that's the Genesis G90. Uh, this is Genesis flagship sedan. And the big deal here about this no, car does is it, that does it only play a Phil Collins on the on the car radio when you go when you get in? See, because it's a Genesis. It does, yeah. That's a major problem with the car. <laughs> so no, your your problem is not that it plays that music, but specifically no Peter Gabriel. It just plays <laughs> it just plays Phil Collins Genesis. That's the problem. 
It's strangely specific that way. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. Tell us about the new about that car. That you said you you you've tried it before. I have, yeah. It was good to get a second chance in it, and it's an interesting car. And I'm realizing slowly as I become more acquainted with the Genesis brand, which is Hyundai's luxury brand, only been around for a little while now, that they are definitely courting women with this vehicle. Uh, not a lot of emphasis here on horsepower or handling, just beautiful cabin, really quiet, um, accessible technology, beautiful graphics on stuff. Um, and it's interesting because BMW, Mercedes, Audi, those are very masculine vehicles, very tech, very fast um, so interesting car. Also, the pricing is interesting here. This interior is beautiful. It's like a Bentley interior. Car comes to about a hundred grand as I'm driving it, but which sounds crazy, but it's really affordable for what's there. Wow, wow, that's a lot of money, though. That is. A lot it's of a money. lot of money. It's a Do lot of still, money. So, so uh, uh, car companies uh, still cater among the sexes now. They still advertise in that regard, considering all the things that have changed and all the. You know uh, all the all the stereotypical masculine, feminine things that have definitely altered over the years. Car companies still do that. They try to cater to women and cater to men separately. They do, but it's much more subtle than it used to be. And I'm realizing that the vehicle I'm driving was launched at a Vogue event. Uh, so, oh, oh my god, that's that. That's a little obvious. <laughs> How? Wait a minute. How often do vehicles get launched at a Vogue event? Or a magazine event. Does that happen very often? No. I, I'm, I think the answer to your question is once. <laughs> Wait, well, so why would they? I don't understand. Now I'm just completely. Now I want to go down this avenue of like, why would a car company choose the magazine Vogue to launch their new car? And was it successful? Can you tell? It was a well-attended event. I was not invited. Um <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why. I cannot imagine why you weren't invited to a Vogue event, Tom. I don't know. They didn't want my shorts in a pocket tee, I guess. But I, I guess you're you're the czar of car for something, man. They, uh, wow. So yeah, so it was, okay. So it was well attended. It was well attended. It was well covered, and and it's just interesting to see a maker take this step. And and I think it is. I think it is. You know, open space for them to try to try to navigate into. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Wow, I've never even. There are so many things I learn when I when I talk to you, Tom. I now learn that Vogue is going to be doing more car uh, events. I never would have put those two together, but uh, we'll see. So, uh, but now, how how long do you uh, how long? And, and again, a real quick one: when you do these test drives, how long normally do you drive them uh, to get a feel of them? And and where do you where do you drive the cars? What kind of tests do you put them through when you drive them? When you do a test drive of a vehicle. Yeah, I get a car for a week. That's usually my evaluation time. So I get to commute in it five days, which is nice. Then on the weekend, I usually try to find some place to photograph the car. I live out in Palatine. I like to drive up and down Route 53. That's sort of my highway drive. Yeah. And then there's a lot of really interesting architecture um, over where by Woodfield Mall, where Motorola used to be. Really modern, interesting architecture in Prairie. So that's where I and, and, and restored Prairie. I like to photograph cars there. So that's sort of my route. And then you take them through the Palatine mud, as we did yes. last time. Yes. <laughs> nothing better than that. I, I would imagine that a car that was launched at Vogue would not be a good mud car. That's not the kind of car that you're going to take through, through a mud pile. I did choose not to get the mud test, yes. No. Okay. I don't think Vogue would appreciate that. I really don't. <laughs> um, what else has been driven around? It's been a month since we talked to you last. Any, uh, any other cars that you found interesting that you've been uh, handling and driving? 
Wow, I just got a hold of the uh, the Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid, so I, I don't have a good feel for this vehicle yet. I'm going to be driving it for some jewel sushi after we finish talking. Um, <laughs> but but jewels, you, you're choosing to go to Jewel for your sushi only because it's convenient and affordable. <laughs> okay, you know and they then, have a lot. They have a lot of other things at Jewel. You don't necessarily have to get the sushi. Not that I'm uh, trashing uh, the sushi at Jewel, but... Uh, it's surprisingly good. And on Fridays, or on Thursdays, it's five bucks. They have like uh, five bucks sushi Thursdays. <laughs> I'm just an auto writer, so I, I, I follow I, the money. I got you, man. I totally, I understand. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, my father My father works uh, uh, My father works at the local Jewel in, in, a, yeah. in his neighborhood. Uh, I'll have to ask him to get some sushi for me. I've only had sushi from Jewel once. And uh, and it was fine. I, I picked it up before before a uh, a rehearsal of a play that I was directing. And there, ah. was a, there was a jewel right down on Elston, uh, right right across the street. You you may know where it is if you're, in, you're familiar with it. Uh, Addison, Kedzie, oh sure, and, and and Elston where the White Castle is. It's, yeah. it's right across. So I was going through there. I had a, I was kind of running late for a, a, a theater rehearsal, and I went ah shit. I'll just grab some sushi. And it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. No, it's fine. It's fresh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so anyway, in the in the car that you're now handling, you're gonna see. You're gonna do, you're gonna do a sushi test on the new car. I am indeed. Yeah, it's plugging in right now, so I should have. It's a plug-in hybrid, so I should yeah. have some some distance I can travel in pure electric mode, and I should get to Jewel and back. And then when I'm driving home, I should get most of the way home, and then I'll be driving on gas on the way back to work. Huge gas saver. Uh, we'll see how yeah. how smooth and integrated that is. Okay. All right. Hey, you know, I've asked you this before, but maybe people who you know haven't listened to all of our podcast episodes or uh, you know uh, didn't listen regularly when you were back with me at the car wash. Um, the um, the difference that you have to like to, you have to adjust your mind, your body, your soul between each car, and I would imagine going from a car that's not electric to a car that is almost fully electric, uh, you really do have to change the way that you evaluate. Correct? Oh yeah, I, I find that after I've driven, especially a pure electric vehicle, that I'm always disappointed with the smoothness of a gasoline powered vehicle. It's just weird to feel gears change again and you hear an engine yeah. and you feel the engine vibration. Electric cars are so much more refined. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's weird, and you do have to judge them differently. Okay. All right. Uh, and that'll be and, and, and all these test drives are posted at Consumer Guide Automotive, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, we do get uh, sometimes get voicemails. We sometimes get emails. And, again, uh, anytime you want to uh, uh, give us a question here on the For the, for people, uh, for the people episodes, uh, Tom uh, joins us once a month. If you got a voicemail message, 773 773- Four one seven six nine four eight. Email any kind of question, any kind of comment. Uh, Nick D podcast at gmail dot com. Um, and we do have uh, an email from Dawn. And right. uh, t- Tom, the headline reads this. So I'm a little. Uh, I haven't read it. I like to read these things cold because <laughs> you know, like like you know, like a like, like a good talk show host. I like to bomb when I have to. You know what I mean? Like uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to hide from rehearsals. You know. You know, to, clo- to, to quote Kramer uh, from an episode of uh, Seinfeld, hey, Gleason, he never rehearsed. So uh, I, I, here's, what, here's what it says, Tom. Here's what it says. This is from Don Umnus. And it says, ridiculous inquiry for Tom Appel. Oh. So that's a good start, right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> hey, Nick, really, really enjoy the podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Don. Um, it says, my 80-year-old dad... 
is still living his life to the fullest with my mom, his wife of 68 years. Or, I'm sorry, 58 years. Wow, I, put, I added a 10 years to chase. He would have been married at 12 <laughs> if, I, uh, I, <laughs> if, I, if they would have gone by my math. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking the other day, and he told me to Google something for him. He wants to know the following, which is ungoogleable. Oh. Ungoogleable. That's a that's a I think that's a new one on me. Ungoogleable? It feels like a word. It sounds like a like a like like a radio name for a morning zoo guy. Yeah, man, ungoogleable. Yeah. <laughs> um here's what it says. When going up a steep hill, is it more fuel efficient to A drive the speed limit of forty five and have the vehicle, which is an automatic, shift into higher gear to ascend the hill, or B maintain a speed where the vehicle does not shift. I don't know who else to ask except Tom Appel. If I could get an answer from my dad, I would look like the smart daughter, and he would have one less thing to wonder about. Thank you so much, Dawn. So uh, that's the, the question is, when you drive up a steep hill, is it more fuel efficient to drive the speed limit of 45 and have the vehicle shift into higher gear to ascend the hill or maintain a speed where the vehicle does not shift? Interesting question. It is, and I, I think the, the the big answer is probably depends, but I would not try to not shift. I think you want to just drive it as you want to and get that hill out of the way as quickly as possible. I think otherwise you're going too slow. You're probably lugging a low gear. That's a good one. I don't know if there's a clear answer because it depends on the, the car and the angle of the hill, but I think I would just go the posted speed limit. So go the posted speed limit and let it shift. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, you know what? You're going to make her look like the smart daughter, Tom. Yeah. Assuming my answer was smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a ridiculous inquiry from her own words. So. It is a tough one. Yeah. It is a tough one. And, well, we don't really listen, have all the inputs. We don't. And not not only that, but it, hell, if it's ungoogleable, how the hell are you expected to answer it, Tom? I want to know who's, who would try to answer that. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. the Google just went, no, lady, go someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's interesting. So, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. The The art of driving stick is pretty much lost on this generation. Yeah, it's gone. Um, and uh, and again, yes, or, like, I always forget, does your, does your kid, does she know how to drive stick? She does, doesn't she? We taught her to drive stick, but we didn't ultimately end up getting her a car with stick. So she she understands in principle how to do it. She was taught to do it. She yeah. hated it. She hated me for it. Like yeah, she right. won't she won't take care of me in my old age. That's how mad she is <laughs> about the stick lessons. But yeah, she does know yeah. how to do it. She does. Okay. Well, that's more than most people. Uh, she's in her twenties, right? Yeah, she's twenty two. She's twenty two. Uh, twenty most twenty two year olds have no idea what a stick is. They have no. no. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like a manual transmission. You're like, what? What's that? I have no idea what that is. Um, now, in a situation like that, if you have a manual, what was it? What, what were some of the dumb things that when people drive stick, which is very rare nowadays, um, how what, what 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 kind of damage can you do to your car if you you shift too fast and gun the end, you know, and gun it to a certain speed so you can shift like quick shifting? How how, how much damage does that do? 
Uh, well, quick shifting is bad on the clutch, but one of the things that you could do as late as probably the early 90s or late 80s was actually blow your engine because there weren't rev limiters yet. Um, we're protected from idiocy now because if you're driving <laughs> stick and you do something silly like pop the clutch at high yeah. speed yeah. Or, or accidentally downshift and pop the clutch, uh, a rev limiter will prevent the engine from going too quickly. Oh, I, see. I, see. Um, I do have a funny story about a colleague yeah. that I won't name. Oh, um, okay. All right. That's always, you know what? I'm sorry. That's always the marking of a good story. When you can't yeah. name the person, yeah, you can't, can't name that. that person, it's a good story. Okay, go ahead. But I was at a media event, and I'll tell you the vehicle. It was the Hummer H3, a vehicle that people mostly for, for forgotten, but it was the smaller of the Hummer vehicles, and it was available with a manual transmission. And this particular editor of some particular publication was going downhill and, and somehow engaged the lifted the clutch and engaged the vehicle in first gear while he was going down at a steep angle and oh. literally drove a piston through the hood of the vehicle. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, that was expensive. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. Wow. It's also dumb. Um, yeah. And then you need to be towed out of a backwoods area. Oh, <laughs> oh man. What, a, what a pricey mess. With the piston through the – man, the piston goes through the hood? It, yes, uh, you can because you shattered the head. It was bad. <laughs> oh my god, is that terrible? Oh, that's terrible. Um, I, you know, um, it was funny because when I first learned how to drive shift or drive shift, I can't even talk. When I first learned how to drive stick, uh, you could pretty much smell the clutch from a mile away when yeah. I was showing up. You know what I mean? It was, that, it was not that, good. That's a horrible smell, and it smells like money. It. <laughs> Yes, it does. It certainly does. But yeah, I, yeah, I learned how to. By the way, I learned how to drive stick in a Porsche. What? Did I, have I ever told you that? No, I'd remember that. I yeah, no, I learned how to drive stick in a Porsche. A girl that I was dating. Uh, I don't know what the hell a girl who had a who had a Porsche was doing dating me. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. It's like, wait a minute, how the hell did you end up dating a girl with a Porsche? But I did not know how to drive stick, and I was about. At this point, I was like 19 or 20. And, uh, yeah, I was, I think, 19 or 20. And I'd been driving for a few years at this point, and I, I did not know how to drive a stick yet. And so she's like, hey, I'll show you how to drive stick. And so I learned how to drive stick in a Porsche. Wow. Yeah. Never driven do, a Porsche since then. Uh, but <laughs> Do you remember what kind of Porsche? I do not. Um, Interesting. I do not. I don't know the, I don't know the, you know, the, the kinds of Porsche. The only Porsche that I know is Joel Goodson's Porsche. From risky business, and it wasn't one of those. Okay. What was what? What, what kind of Porsche does Joel Goodson drive in risky business? A nine twenty eight, and he should have been able to get away from that limo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, Buster. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but they do. They do kind of show off how good when those idiots. Uh, remember when he and Booger, not well, Booger from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. He wasn't. He was. He was Miles, his Curtis Armstrong. He was Miles in Risky Business. Remember when the idiot, uh, the idiots pull up next to him, and go, "Hey, you're out in your daddy's car," and they challenge him to a race. Yes. And then uh, Tom Cruise lets them go like a mile ahead. And yes, then, uh, yes, yes, and, yes. And Bronson, no, it's Bronson Pinchot who's in the car with him. Uh, and Bronson Pinchot goes, "Hit it!" And he hits it, and they blow him away. It, like you know, so that made sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but not being able to outrun. Uh, not Guido, the killer pimp, was a was a little bit of a stretch. Who was a heck of a driver, though. Got to give yeah. him credit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tore up his car, man. Man. <laughs> so okay, so yes, I did. I learned how to drive stick in a, in some sort of sort of Porsche, and it wow. was wow. Uh, well, that's cool. I was. It was in eighty mid eighties, 
So I was 20 then, I guess. Mid-80s, 80, 85-ish. So I was 20 uh, when I learned how to drive stick. Okay. Now, if that was a young woman, she was probably driving like a 944, which were extremely popular at the time. Really Maybe great the, cars. The, really great it was, cars. It was, it, was a, it was a real nice car. Of course. Yeah. Oddly, oddly, Tom, oh, the, the girl who owned the Porsche, she broke up with me. Uh, oh. Oddly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, uh, I'm not. I'm not shocked by uh, me dating a girl who had a Porsche who broke up with me. That's not. A, that's not a shocker. But anyway, yeah, I, I can't believe I've never told you that. I learned how to drive stick in a Porsche. That's a pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool for me. And I, I, I learned in a Pinto. We're from different planets. <laughs> it didn't blow up when you hit it in the back when you bumped into something. In the... No, but it was awful. It was uh, so had, awful. It was a terrible uh, car. The Pinto. Oh. I had a friend in high school who had a Pinto. Um, and you know, you know, you, you know, the, for me at least, you know, I never drove when I was in high school, but you had the kids who did, yeah. uh, who would drive to school. And I went to like a private school. It was, it was a weird adjustment for me because I went to a public grade school. Um, but then I went to a private high school and it was, it was a high school that like my parents couldn't afford, you know what I mean? Cause I'm working class. Uh. So, and it was a whole new group of people. They were all from the suburbs. They didn't rent apartments because my parents and I rented. So right. like I was suddenly in a school full of people full of people who had money and who had houses and stuff and who drove their sometimes their own cars, you know, to <laughs> to school or their dad's really nice car. And this guy had a Pinto. Uh one of the guys had a Pinto, but my favorite was the guy who had a Gremlin. Did you ever have a Gremlin? Did you know anybody who had a Gremlin, Tom? I did. I had a buddy named Gordon had a Gremlin with the two thirty two in line six. Yep. <laughs> Any memorable gremlin story stuff that you, that you have? He, his gremlin had the rear seat, and people may not remember yeah. that, but there was a version called the SST, which was really <laughs> affordable new. No back seat. It was, the back seat was optional. <laughs> I, and, I kind of remember that. How is a back seat optional? What is that? Do, you, you, so you really want to save money then? If you, yeah, don't put a back seat in. You do. And here's the thing about that. That back seat was so tight and so cramped. You were better off without the back seat and just crouching in the back. Yeah. Uh, my friend, my, we used to call him Romero. My buddy, uh, his name was Eric, but we called him Romero. The long story, he had, re- he had really crazy hair. And there's a character in the movie Escape from New York, John Carpenter's Escape from New York, who's got really uh-huh. crazy hair. I don't know if you remember. You've seen Escape from New York? Not in a long, long time, but yes. Well, there's a character with insane hair that sticks up and stuff. Yeah. And his name in the movie is Romero. And so that's what we started calling this guy that we went to <laughs> high school with. And he had the gremlin. And we would be crammed in the back of the gremlin. And yes, you're absolutely right. It was like the, the, he had the back seat, the optional back seat, and it was uncomfortable as hell. It was terrible. Yeah, if you weren't a gymnast, you had no business getting in the backseat of a gremlin. Oh, the gremlin. Oh, those days. The Pintos and the gremlins. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we do have a voicemail. Oh. And uh, this is from Josh, and he listens to us. Uh, he listens to the podcast. He's a subscriber in uh, Minneapolis. So, uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Josh. We have subscribers from all over the world uh, who listen. So, Josh has left a voicemail. Are you ready, Tom? I am. Here we go. Josh from Minneapolis. Hey, Nick. Uh, this is Josh in Minneapolis, um, longtime listener and a Patreon. So thanks for all your entertainment. Uh, I had a question for Tom Appel. I know that since they don't have a big engine, some electric vehicles have a storage area under the hood. Uh, they call it a frunk, which is a portmanteau of the words front and trunk. And I know from listening to Tom's podcast that he hates the word frunk. 
<laughs> okay, so here's my question. What do they Did call it in England? A foot? Okay, <laughs> thanks. Bye. So his question is, in case you couldn't hear it, because Josh, Josh was a low talker on the, uh, on the voicemail. Frunk is the name that they use for the trunks that are in the front of an electric car. Yes. So his question is, in England, do they call that a fruit? Well, it wouldn't be fruit because the boot is actually the trunk in back. So it would be under the bonnet. Right. So it would be yeah. fonnet? Fronnet? I have homework because I don't know the answer to this question. Fronnet feels right. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so it's not foot. I don't think so. Right. It's not foot or fruit. It's it's okay. All right, Josh. Thank you for the uh, for the for the question. And uh, nice to know that Josh is a listener of your podcast. And I'm sure that he's I appreciate very, that. He's yeah. very happy that December 12th is coming up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right. All right, Josh. So we can't help you with that one. <laughs> okay. Oh man. All right. Uh, so, uh, um, you know, you always tell people about the uh, about the blog that you guys do and some of the fun stuff because we're going to jump into a little bit of that. Yeah, the blog we do daily. That's updated every day. Five, six new articles every week. Uh, mostly we do long-form car reviews there. That's two or three days a week. The rest of the time I screw around. I'll be frank about it. And I, <laughs> I just throw, I throw some fun stuff up there. And that's always, I think, I hope it's enjoyable. I like to share it. Well, I have a lot of fun with it. Now, before we get to that, you do, um, you do talk about the uh, Volkswagen, a new Volkswagen. They launched the Scout EV brand. Now, what does the EV stand for? And, and talk a little bit about the new uh, VW uh, Scout. Yeah, this news came out of nowhere, and I'm a little bit dubious about what's happening here. But Volkswagen has announced the launch of Scout. The it's launch of the, a, of the Scout. Scout. Yeah, it's an electric vehicle brand. It's a brand, and they intend to sell pickup trucks and crossovers, or I guess you probably should say SUVs, under that brand as early as 2026. And they're using the Scout name. And they claim that it's beloved and well-remembered by Americans. But Scout was a series of vehicles built by International Harvester between 1961, I think, and 1980. And they were really some of the earliest SUVs ever built. Very popular with contractors, but not generally popular. They didn't sell all that well. Um, but the Scout brand ended up in the, in the Volkswagen portfolio because Scout or Volkswagen purchased International Harvester. Uh, back when that went bankrupt, way, way, way back when. So it had this name. It was just sitting there not being used, and they decided to use it for an all-new brand. And that's and, – wow, okay. So an all-new all new brand. What is this – you know, I'm looking at the article here. What is the – what's the car look like? What's it going to look like? No, no at all. They have a, a concept drawing of the vehicle, uh, and that's the only thing that they have shared. So it's just a rough outline. To me, it looks a little bit Land Rover, Range Rover-y. Now, is, does the, how does Volkswagen do with vehicles like this? They're not really known for that kind of stuff, are they? Or, 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 or did they cross over into that pop, in, into that world to be popular? In other markets, um, I mean, like in Asian markets, they, they sell a truck called the Amarac, which is sort of a very off-roady pickup truck. It's small, um, and, and that's got some off-road cred. But in America, they have no off-road cred at all. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, how, by the way, you said that this came out of nowhere. How often, when you are monitoring the situations in the automotive news and the automotive world, how often do things come out of nowhere? Are there times and, and, and examples of, like, stories where you go, where the hell did that come from? What? How often does that happen? 
Almost never. Part of the reason it's so hard to keep a secret in the auto industry is that as when you start to do something, um, you, you have to set the wheels in motion of production really far in advance, three, four years in advance. Sure. And, so, and so automotive suppliers are just an information sieve. Magazines like Automotive News can always find out when something's going to happen months, if not years in advance, because you can't keep that stuff secret. And usually it's the subject of, of like UAW contracts, too. Like if a kind of a, the factory is staying open, then people know what's going to be built there. So there aren't a lot of secrets. Wow. Okay. And so when something like this comes along, now where did you find out about this? Uh, this came through uh, an actual uh, Volkswagen press release. So Volkswagen released this information, and at this point they hadn't done anything in terms of infrastructure or manufacturing. So this is still very much concept. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. And uh, and so 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 what what's the you said twenty twenty what was it twenty twenty six is the twenty twenty six they they plan to have something on the market okay all right well you keep you keep an eye on that we've got a few years to yeah to, to keep our <laughs> uh, so it, it, when you think of uh, Volkswagen what are the most popular types of cars that came from Volkswagen what were the ones that really I mean because I mean the first thing that I think of when I when I think VW I think of the Bug and I think of the Van Those yeah and and. Early on, they did some amazing things that were absolutely sort of first in class. First of all, there was the Beetle or the Bug, which was born of World War II, actually pre-World War II Germany. And it was going to be literally a people's car. It was very much a socialist thing um, that people could buy very cheaply in advance. You know, they could pay for it slowly in advance of taking delivery. And then in America, they built the Rabbit, which was the first quarter. The first "quote unquote" two box economy car, wonderful car, super space efficient, fun to drive. Uh, some quality issues with the vehicles it built here in Pennsylvania, but absolutely a, a design trend leader. Yeah, no, I remember the Rabbit. That was a big car. That was a, that was a big popular car. Yeah, fun to um, drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are those were cool cars. Um, do you remember I, I, my, my cousin for her graduation, her high school graduation, got a car, uh, and it was a. Le car, and it said uh-huh. so. On, you knew that because it said so on the side. It said on the door, Le car. You remember Le car? What was the history of that? I remember my no. cousin not enjoying that car, <laughs> <laughs> and not just because she drove around in a thing that said Le car. Like I mean, for people who don't know, you know, all the car, every car it has, you know, somewhere on it what kind of car you're driving. It'll say. Yeah. But the car was like you were driving around like it was painted on the on the driver's side door. Yeah, huge letters along the rocker panel and, yeah. and uh, it was obnoxious. Yeah. And they were trying to sell it as a cute little alternative vehicle. I guess the sort sort of the same way that Fiat was selling the 500 or uh, uh what was the um the Swatch the what the Swatch. The Swatch. Yeah. Yes, Swatch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That car, same kind of deal. The Le Car was a Renault, and it was sold pretty well in France. And every French car sells well in France. It's outside of France that things get a little dicey. <laughs> right. right. Well, and I guess it was. I guess it was the right car for an eighteen-year-old girl in nineteen seventy-nine to get. It would have been easy to drive. It should yeah. have been relatively fun to drive. Uh, it was painfully unreliable, uh, but super easy on gas. Yeah. And you didn't have to go to a la gas station. Or, <laughs> you didn't have to have. You didn't have to get la petrol. That was not the. That was not something you had to get for that car. I, just I think remember, it, I think it ran on regular gas. I think. I, think, I just remember when my cousin got it because she graduated the same day that I did. She graduated high school. I graduated eighth grade. So it was like literally the same day, and I got like I think I got a uh, when I graduated eighth grade. I think I got a a, a kiss calendar. 
like the band Kiss. <laughs> which is and, nice. Yeah, which is better than a Lacar, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and then she got the Lacar, and I remember my other cousin, who was her, her brother, younger brother, a couple of years younger than her, mocked it incessantly. And my 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 younger my my her, my, my, her younger brother, my cousin uh, Jeff, was a was a total gearhead. And, uh-huh. and and he to- I mean he was he, he mocked that goddamn car incessantly. <laughs> I just I just remember that. That's what I remember. I need to look now because the car was interesting. One of the things that was a selling point of that vehicle when they imported it is is that I believe they all came standard with a sunroof. And I also think that some independent company imported them for a couple of years before they were formally imported and they weren't called Lacar. They might have ah. just been called Renault 5, I think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe it would have been it would have been a cooler looking car if it didn't have Le Car. Like maybe, yeah. I mean, but but seriously, people who don't know the car, it was huge. It said Le Car. It was like you were advertising yeah. for the car. It wasn't it was, like a a logo. It wasn't like a little thing on the trunk. It, it was ridiculous. It's obnoxious, yeah. So anyway, all right. Now that we've done the history of Le Car, which I don't think we <laughs> were planning on, and, you know, you, you go through this this article about the about the VW sort of SUV. You go through some classic uh, SUV ads here, uh, and one of them uh, uh, is is Burt Reynolds from Deliverance. Yeah. Um, why would you? <laughs> you know, having seen Deliverance many 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 many, many times. Uh, I'm not really sure that I would advertise my, <laughs> my my car based upon the success of that trip. You know what I mean? I don't, I, 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 I don't think it's like, hey, you want to have fun like these guys did? When, <laughs> you know, when they got assaulted in the middle of the woods? Uh, here's the car you can drive to get that way. You know what I mean? Hey. It is a strange bit of product placement. It, Additionally, the car is only like a year old, which means that somebody on the set had to age it, because the picture that I'm looking at here of of of, of Burton like a neoprene ja- or vest, it's leaning yeah. on the car. The bumper is trashed. It is, in a, yeah. In a year, in a year. Yeah. And of course, it being the early '70s, it's got a Confederate flag on the license plate, which of uh, course it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So hey, you want to recapture the, the the charming, lovely wonderment of deliverance? You know, you want to you, you want to you feel like the necessary to squeal like a pig at some point. Here's the car for you. Oh my God! Uh, what are, what are some of your favorite uh, the SUV ads from the past that you that you look up? Do you ever find anything and you go, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that? Wow, favorite SUV ads. I love Jeep ads actually because yeah, they, okay. they were they were. Pre-SUV, like in the 70s, there's a lot of great Jeep ads where they completely unapologetically unapologetically were using Indian names for things like Apache and Navajo yeah. and things like that. Right. But those ads are great because they're just – they're outdoorsy. They're still hand-drawn, which is rare uh, by the 70s. Mostly we were at photo- photography in those ads by then. Right, right. But the Jeep ads, I think a lot of imagination. They're a lot of fun. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of ads, this is a lot of – you have a lot of fun with this too at the uh, – at, uh, at the blog at Consumer Guide. Uh, you know, as we've talked about before, the names of cars, as you mentioned, you know, I mean, how they come up with names. Hey, let's let's use inappropriate Indian names and blah, 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 yeah. all that stuff. Um, the Chrysler LeBaron, still one of my favorite car names of all time. Uh, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, Seinfeld, you know, did a whole, uh, a whole routine on naming of cars, and he mentioned the LeBaron as being one. Uh, but you have some classic car ads for the Chrysler LeBaron. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, about some of these ads for the fantastic Chrysler LeBaron, and how and how big a car, and how popular a car, and how important a car in history is the LeBaron. 
Well, LeBaron, and, and I make this point, I think, in the text, is that the LeBaron was actually a coach builder in the 20s. And a lot of people may not know this, but luxury car makers like Lincoln and Cadillac and, and to some extent Daimler and Mercedes and uh, Rolls Royce would build a chassis for a vehicle and then a coach builder would build the body. Uh, and that oh. would include and that would include the interior, a little bit like Pullman, actually, wow. where you'd have a beautiful interior. So LeBaron is a storied name of absolutely beautiful craftsmanship style vehicles from way, way, way back when. Um, it became associated later in the 40s, 50s, 60s with the Imperial Mark, which was sometimes a Chrysler brand and sometimes a Chrysler model, depending on where they were marketing that vehicle. But by the 70s. By the 70s, when Chrysler needed to launch a new line of mid-sized cars, they named them all LeBaron. And that's sort of where a lot of these ads focus. Now, by the end of this run, uh, the LeBaron name was being saddled to K-car wagons uh, with fake wood sides. So it was a hard fall. <laughs> I'm looking. That's the first thing that you, that you put in the, in the article. That's the lead picture was, is, is one of those wagons. Uh, yes. Was, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's so sad, really. It is. It is the LeBaron, <laughs> and and uh, some of these other pictures of the. I mean, <coughs> there are so many different kinds of LeBarons. I guess I was not aware of how much they varied. Yeah, it, before it became a midsize line of cars, it was on a lot of different things, and and its attachment to the Imperial thing was interesting too, um, because it was always. I don't know why they did that, but they didn't always call the car. LeBaron, like it was 67 Imperial, but sometimes they tagged on LeBaron, which I think was just some association that people still made with the luxury coach builder. And yeah. I guess in the 60s, people might still remember that. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. I'm looking at the ad. The, 60, the 67 LeBaron uh, Imperial, I'm sorry, the 67 Imperial, that looks like a pretty damn cool car. Yeah. It's very yeah. cool looking. I mean, in 1960, it's, it's kind of like when you think 67 badass big car, that's the first thing that pop, an image like that pops into my head. Yeah, it's a great one. You've got the uh, the enclosed fender in the back, so you don't see the whole well whole wheel. Also, this is a true hardtop. There is no pillar um, between oh, the man. doors in the front, so you've got all that open space, yeah. which is a great look. God, it's so cool. It's such a cool looking car, man. The Imperial. You ever see those things riding around Palatine anywhere? You don't, and it, 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 actually, I do. There's a dentist that lives near me that has an Imperial. It's a little bit older than this. It's an wait, Imperial wait, Coupe. Wait, wait, come on. Seriously? Yeah, it's like a 62 or 63 Imperial Coupe. It's black. It's beautiful. Dr. Chuck, if you're listening, I love your car. Dr. Chuck. Yep, I know Dr. Chuck. Yeah, all right. So yeah. he's a dentist who rides around in a 62 Imperial. Yes. Man, a black which, 62 Imperial. That's Which badass. makes him like one of the coolest humans on earth, yeah. Yeah, no kidding, man. Wow, man, that's a, that's a lot. I, mean, I would imagine that's a lot of fillings uh, to take care yeah, of. Yeah, a lot, yeah. That would be my guess. All right, uh, I, I want to talk about this, too. You go back to, but you, you know, you take your car ads very seriously. You go back and you like to look at them. We're talking about a 67 Imperial, you know, and all this other stuff. But you go all the way back to 1912, my friend. Uh, how the hell... <laughs> You you have an article at the on the uh, on the blog, classic car ads from uh, 1912. Tell us about that. Yeah, actually, this was a collection of cars I started, and then I had to find an excuse for doing it. Uh, and the yeah. excuses, the excuses. 1912 was the first full year on the market for Chevrolet. Oh, that's good, man. That's so, good. Good for you for coming up with that. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's that is fantastic, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Man, that is a good excuse. 
It was so a good save. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice job, man. Um, okay, so what are some of your favorite ads from the cars of 1912? There is a very strange ad here um, for the Flanders, and and it's aimed at physicians. And now, I suppose is it, is it aimed at only left-handed physicians because it's a Flanders? <laughs> it, it does not say that. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. Okay. The Leftorium, yeah, right. the official right. vehicle yeah. of the Leftorium, yeah. <laughs> Of which I'm a member, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I am too. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're a lefty. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. One of the other many things we have in common. Okay. So it's it was marketed towards 1912 era physicians. Yes. The Flanders. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the ad reads, a summer and winter proposition for a physician. We will sell you a Flanders touring car roadster runabout fully equipped with a windshield and a speedometer. Oh, so my that's, God. So that's nice. Wow, it has a windshield and a speedometer? Yeah, that's crazy wow, talk. Wow, man, that's yeah. nuts. No wonder that's... early physicians can afford it. <laughs> wow. And then they add, for summer use, together with a coupe body for winter use. <laughs> so you could swap out the body of this car. Oh, man. And what? And again, I'm looking at the ad, but you tell everybody, what's this thing going for in 1912? $1,150. Oh, man. Wow. That's amazing. And, and it's being sold out of somebody's garage, somebody's mechanic's garage, the yes. Zacharias Garage Company. Yeah, that is so hilarious. A four physi- Do you think they chose physician because it rhymes a little bit with proposition? Is that because they- <laughs> Maybe. In the ad, they were like, we got to find something that rhymes with proposition. Oh, physician. So, As um, late as the 30s, um, Ford was still doing ads aimed directly at physicians, too, which I thought was interesting. That's when they introduced the V8 Ford that people might remember. And that people, doctors who had to be someplace in a hurry, you wanted a V8 Ford. <laughs> Gun it, man. I got to get there. Hit it, uh, yeah. Yeah, hit it. Uh, uh, what about the, uh, the Michigan 40? And that starts at $1,500. What a, the flight of the 40s. That looks like a pretty cool car. It's a cool car with a whole bunch of text. Like, we don't read that much text in an ad anymore. Yeah. And, and it makes a case for something I'm not really sure was a real condition. But but if you read the text, there are a lot of of cars then, I guess mid-price, that had 40 horsepower. So that's where all the competition was. I see. And, and they want you to know that this is one you should be looking at. It's a right. surprisingly modest ad. They're not saying they're better, just that you should look at them. <laughs> don't buy it. Just look. Yeah. yeah really, have a look. I, uh, there are so many of them here, so many classic ones. You got some from Fiat. You got one from uh, Haynes, not the Underwear Corporation, um, and, uh, and 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 so many more. The Pope Hartford. What's the Pope Hartford? <laughs> a really good name. I'm, yeah. I'm struck by how the Pope Hartford looks like virtually every other car on this. Like it there does. wasn't. I don't know how anyone who's like a car expert from that era can pick cars apart because they all look the same. They do. They, they, no, I'm not kidding. I mean, the cars in 1912 all looked exactly the same. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna look the same, at least you should offer for sure uh, a windshield and a speedometer. That would be the least uh, yes. you can do. Yes. Yeah. The least uh, you can... <laughs> also, a, a color might be nice because yeah. I'm pretty sure these <laughs> yeah. are all black. They're all black. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, all of those really cool <laughs> things. Uh, the blog at Consumer Guide Automotive is unbelievably entertaining. You do a great job with it. All of the stuff we're talking Thank about, you. you can visually see. Now let's talk a little bit about the TV stuff that you do. You do Star Spotter. Yeah. What are some of the, what are some of the uh, Star Spotter is when you watch a lot of old TV, lots of old westerns, and then you go, oh, there's somebody, and you spot a star, you take a screenshot of it, and you throw it up on Facebook and share it. 
Who have you spotted lately in what shows? This was a particular favorite and and uh, very bad episode. Uh, but David Cassidy on Bonanza. David Cassidy on Bonanza. Wow. And one of the things that sort of ruins his appearance on the show is that he has very 70s hair. Yeah, I would imagine. And, and of course, he's a guy who's got a beef with the world. And uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's, there's David Cassidy on, uh, with his 70s hair on Bonanza. Any, anybody else stick out for you? Um, uh, someone challenged me with a show, Sam Fiorani who's with Auto Forecast Solutions and is a frequent guest in our podcast, uh, put up a picture from a TV show. This is for the mystery show thing that I do. Yeah. And, and one of the people in the middle of the, of the picture is, is Andy Griffith. And unbelievably, I remember the pilot for this show. Yeah, you it do. Was, it, yeah, it was Salvage One. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somehow, some way, Andy Griffith and, and his team of ragtag ne'er do wells were going to build their own spaceship and go to the moon. Um, <laughs> as, as I recall, Andy Griffith owned a junkyard and he was building the spaceship out of junk from the yard. And I believe that the actual control to move the, the thing was like a, an automatic transmission shifter from like a Toronado. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Now, you did post a sitcom thing. Uh, that I looked at, and some of these I don't know who they are, but one of them I, I still uh, I, I did fig- I, I did because you post after a while you post the the, the uh, a trailer for it or a commercial for it. Yeah. So you can tell. Us. And the, the one, there was one where a woman was looking at like a lottery ticket, and it, she looked absolutely insane. Like I was like, this woman should be locked up. What was the name of that of that one? Oh man, now I can't remember. Oh, me and Mrs. C. That's what it was. Okay, me and Mrs. C. And it's one of those wacky things where an old rich white woman is, is going to be moved in or someone moving into her house. And it's a, uh, a young black woman who hasn't yet found her way in the world. And, of course, there's going to be all sorts of conflict and hilarity. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, there's, that's, not, that's not a tired cliche at all. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so it's weird. Uh, so anybody, if, if anybody wants to, to, to see stars before they were stars or if you want to try to figure out some – very weird, mostly uh, Gary Marshall influenced uh, TV sitcoms. Uh, check out Tom on Facebook as well. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for answering uh, Dawn's question and Josh. Well, John's question to the best of your ability. My and, pleasure. Uh, and Josh is actually Josh's question to the best of your ability as well <laughs> with the with the foot or the fruit or whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm going to look um, into that. Okay, and we'll get more details next time. Consumer Guide Automotive uh, is uh, is where you can uh, read Tom's stuff. Always a pleasure, my friend, and we'll talk to you next month, okay? Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Take care. There's Tom Appel right there. And, uh-oh, I think the doorbell's going to ring because it's time for my dad to tell It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. what I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah, all right. My dad tells a joke. That's right. My dad, Nick, 81 years old, been telling jokes his entire life. He's the best. Uh, and he's going to tell jokes live on stage at Zany's and Rosemont for our uh, podcast uh, event. I mean, if that doesn't get you to reserve your seats and get your tickets now, nothing will. My dad's going to close the show on, uh, 
on Thursday, November fifth or Tuesday. Sorry, Tuesday, November fifteenth, seven thirty start the Nick D podcast live. He's going to close the uh, show as he always closes our Tuesday podcast by coming in and telling a joke. Well, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. I know you do, Carrie. I love you too. All right, my dad's got a joke. All right, all right, dad's in. Ready? All right, dad, tell your joke. What did the bodybuilder say when he opened up his tub of protein powder? No way. <laughs> oh, my God. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yeah, I, I, I know. I Hi, know, I'm Carrie yeah, Russell, and I love right. Nick's show. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He will do it again next Tuesday and live on stage at Zanies and Rosemont on Tuesday, November 15th. That's right. Uh, the Nick D Podcast Live. Get your tickets now, 847-813-0484. Website, rosemont.zanies.com. Uh, look for the event, the Nick D Podcast Live, Tuesday, November 15th. Get your tickets now. It's going to be a blast. All right. My thanks to uh, Herb Weisbaum. My thanks to Tom Appel for all of their great information and helping you on a For the People episode. We'll do it again next month. As well, the Leon is back from Iceland, and we'll get the story about what happened there. And Jason Skaggs, who will also be live uh, at Zanies and Rosemont, is going to join us. We're going to find out all about the maniac who does all the music and the themes and the jingles and the fun stuff here on the podcast that's all coming up please be a part of the nick t podcast leave your voicemail messages 24 7 7 drop us an email anytime you want nick t podcast at gmail.com you want to be a sponsor you want to advertise on our podcast sales at radiomisfits.com get in there and do that my thanks to ed and everybody at radio misfits rate and review us on every platform please let us know what you think next time jason skaggs will be joining us on uh, the next episode of the Nick D Podcast. So thanks for listening. We'll see you then on the Radio Misfits Podcast. Network.